This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Ever wonder what your dog is thinking? That look in their eyes when they know they're trying to tell you something, but you just don't know what it is? My guest today can help with that. She's a renowned animal communicator, and before you roll your eyes, she has a lot of clients who swear by her. I'm Jody Miller-Young, and you're listening to Bark and Swagger on Pet Life Radio. We're going to welcome Stacey Croftcheck to the show in just a moment after a brief break from our sponsor. So grab that favorite beverage, get comfortable, and get ready to discover a way to understand your pet better. We'll be right back. So now I've got this pack of four Sharpe Rescue dogs for, oh my goodness, probably five, six years. They get a regular diet of Dynavite with every meal. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E.com. People remark on what beautiful coats they've got. I tell them, you don't need to wait until a problem presents itself. It's far better to keep the dog happy and healthy at all times. You won't believe how happy your dog will be. I get my Dynavite from D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. If you've just joined, you're listening to Bark and Swagger on Pet Life Radio. I'm Jody Miller-Young, your host. Understanding our pets, the looks, the whines, cries. How many times have you thought, wouldn't it be easier if you could just speak English? Our guest today, Stacy Kropchak, is an accomplished animal communicator, medium, and Reiki master teacher who's going to help us discover how we can communicate with and understand our pets better. Welcome, Stacy. Thank you so much, Jody, for having me. I appreciate being here, and I'm super excited to be here. We are excited to have you. We want to know more about this. First, let's start with telling us a bit about what animal communication means. Yes. Animal communication is through telepathy. And telepathy is thoughts, feelings, images being transferred back and forth between human to human, human to animal, and animal to animal. Hmm. So it's kind of like Dr. Doolittle or the movie with Eddie Murphy where the animals are talking and their mouths are moving. Yep. How we're communicating is through those pictures, images, as well as feelings. So I'm dissecting what the animal is showing me, how I'm feeling in their energy, And then I'm sharing that to their owner and helping them to better understand what their animals thinking, feeling and and needing at the moment. That is really interesting, you know, because it's not something that we can see for ourselves. Although I've read testimonials from clients of yours who, you know, learn things that they never even imagined had no idea. I love the thing about the cat and Michael singing to the cat and the wife didn't even know her husband was singing to the cat, but the cat really liked it. I -hmm. love that, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but I'm sure there are a ton of them. Um, But because it's something that is not tangible, so to speak, break it down for the skeptical that are listening today. Definitely. And I would like to start off too, first by saying anybody who shares their life with an animal is already communicating with their animal. 
they're just not consciously aware of how they're doing it. Sometimes okay. people say, oh, you know, I think my dog isn't feeling good. So besides physically looking at them and they're not active or they're hunkered down or, or they're walking funny, but there's also like an intuitive feeling like, oh, I think they have a stomach ache or I think that's their back leg or I'm not sure, but they know something's off. Yes. It's also common, right, to people to say that, oh, I think my animal's mad at me. So besides the body <laughs> language and the body posturing or they get up and walk away, they have a feeling, a sense or knowing that their animal is ticked off. And sometimes the humans will say, well, I was home late, um, I missed dinner time, or I've been gone a lot. So they know that their animal is probably upset because they've been gone a lot. And so the cat pooped on the bed. Yes. <laughs> yes. And we'll talk about that real quick, too. So that's a great point. So when an animal urinates in the house, it means that they're, you know, quote unquote, pissed off. And if they poop in the house, yes. And if they poop in the house, it means poop on you, especially if it's on somebody's bed, if it's on um, a clothes basket or something directly related to a person. Yeah. It's a way of saying, hi. There's something that's bothering me and I need to get your attention. And it can even go into a, a child's bedroom because the child can tease or be mean to the dog a lot. So it's and, their way. And, and you've learned this because this like helps innumerable pet parents who, you know, are saying, why do you keep pooping on my bed <laughs> or, you know, <laughs> peeing in the laundry basket? And you've learned this because animals have told you this. Yes. That is wild. Yeah. Okay. Tell us more really interested. Yes. So these are just giving you more um, specific tools mm -hmm. and adding to what you're doing already. I encourage because we all talk to our animals. I just encourage more in depthly, more description and more details about how your regular life looks, your schedules, people in your household, adding in other animals. It's like why, when, how, and how is that going to affect me? And you want to look at it from the animal's perspective, because a lot of times people are like, duh, it's so obvious that I'm getting another animal to fill the void of one of our pets that just died. Mm -hmm. Or there's a human baby coming in the family. So it would be so obvious to the old animal that's coming in, whether it's a dog, cat, or even a horse, but anything that's going to affect us is also going to affect our animal. Yeah. And so put them into the equation every day. And most people already do. But again, more description and more details. Because we do it for a human child when a new baby's on the way. And, you know, it's been proven through science that dogs and probably cats too feel the emotions that we feel. And yes. so it would make sense to, you know, prepare them for all these things too. You have a number of reasons that you list for animal communication. You've said a couple of them. Tell us a bit more about some of the other reasons why people would look for animal communication to maybe solve a problem. A lot of times it can be a, a one-stop shop or the last draw. They're at their wits end and the vets aren't helping and behaviorists not helping. And so they're looking to find another outlet to give them answers. So sometimes out of desperation, people will come to animal communication. And I personally can feel people and animals aches, pains, ailments in my body. Animals normal instinct in the wild is to hide mask and disguise their pain. Uh, so they don't get killed or kicked out of the pack. And I'm able to feel in my own body and then tell the human what's going on. So 
sometimes people know that, oh yeah, my dog has some digestive issues and then I'll be able to define it more from a pain scale between one and 10, 10 being the highest for pain. The animal's pain level is like a five or a six or a seven or even greater. So it does help with that as well as I can kind of put in a supplement or a medication or even a food into the animal's body and say, oh, that feels like it inflames the body or that soothes the body. And with the pain level, it goes down to maybe like a three or a two. So I can kind of help um, the unknown and how animals aren't able to really specifically say to their human, I can get more into that uh, definitive numbers and, and clarity of what's going on with their animal. Wow. And you have had this gift since you're a child, right? Yes. I wasn't really aware of it until my 20s. Mm-hmm. I was working at an animal shelter and I created migraines somewhere out of the blue and none of the Western medication was working. And I was willing to try anything. So I heard there was or read an article that meditation was supposed to help. So I found a meditation teacher who was an intuitive or a psychic, quote unquote. And she said, well, you talk to the animals. And I was like, well, duh, everybody talks to their animals. And she says, no, not the way that you do. And so through meditation, reading more books, taking more classes, that's when I kind of fine tuned and honed in on my skills, gifts and abilities. And little by little, you know, each job kind of fell away. And then this became my full-time, my full-time career. So I kind of stumbled into it. And actually, I, I did kick and scream the whole way like, no, I don't want to. And this is scary. And for it to be a business when I'm so used to, and a lot of us are left brain corporate and, you know, nine to five, or this was a, a different type of job. And it took a lot of courage to continue doing this. And how long have you been doing this professionally? Almost 20 years. I started off the few years of taking lots of classes and um, doing a lot of things for free to build up my, my courage as well as my experience. And then little by little, I started charging and then I eventually each job fell away. And then I started doing this as a full-time career and then started teaching classes on animal communication as well as meditation. And meditation really is the key to our intuitive gifts and abilities, but also to kind of calm our mind and body so we're more open to hear our animals on a regular basis. Sometimes people will say, I can't hear my animals. It's more of having five radio stations playing at the same time and coming home from work and traffic. And now with COVID, it's different, but everything is in our mind and it's rattling. (sighs) So we want to learn to take breaths, be more in our body so we can fine tune it from five stations down to one and just have one thing to focus on, which would be communicating with our furry babies. And is there a particular type of meditation? I learned TM back in the the late 80s, and I still practice it today, but so much has evolved with different types of meditation. Is there a a specific type of meditation that you recommend or teach to be able to connect with your animals? Any meditation is great just to get started five, 10 minutes a day. Sometimes people have a hard time sitting down So walking meditations also can be very helpful. And meditation, as you know, too, Jody, is just focusing on one thing, focusing on our breath or focusing on the candle flame, or when we're walking, just focusing on our footsteps and breathing. And then we kind of open up uh, the, the right brain where our intuition comes in, and then we start to feel more connected. And that's when our animals will start to talk to us or show us images. And 
we get more clarity that way. So anything that a person can do just for five or 10 minutes, and sometimes it's even taking a bath and they'll get messages or downloads from their animals or that gut instinct of like, oh, that's what's wrong. And then they get out of the tub and, and talk to their animals about it or, or do what their animals been asking. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think especially today in the world that we're living in, COVID being one thing, and then just the divisive world we're living in, quieting our minds because there is so much noise out there helps with everything across the board, you know, our feeling of well-being, our personal health, as well as being able to be more, to tap into our intuition, which sounds like is at the heart of learning how to communicate with your animals. Very much so. Then adding a little bit to what you said is animals are mirrors to us physically Mm -hmm. as well as emotionally. It's very common for us to be stressed and then our animal takes it on. And mm-hmm. animals are like our little furry teachers and healers. They've come to us for healing and teaching us as much as we are for them. It's also common for, you know, our right hip to be out and then the animal's right hip to be out. Or we have, there's a client that also is a little intense and it's kind of like the sky is falling. And then she wonders why her dog also is panicking and nervous and starting to chew its legs and being destructive where it never was before. But COVID intensified her anxiety and her fears because she's working from home. And then she has a child that's, that was in school and now she's teaching it from home. And it's just this constant one to 10 being like a constant seven of just that jittery, shaky feeling. And the animal has no way of really releasing or processing their own feelings and emotions because it feels trapped in the house too. And then with a couple, you know, communication sessions, we talked to the mom, you know, to help her with her anxiety. So the dog felt that the person was in charge and control of her own stuff and energy. Then the dog could take it down a few notches and be more balanced. And then it stopped licking its leg and then stopped being destructive in the house. Plus it felt like it was heard and understood and and was more, there was more clarity of what was going on in the house and also what the animal's role was. It worked. It worked right as soon as you were able to handle the anxiety that the mom was feeling and help her learn tools to quiet that it worked with the dog right away. That's amazing. It's amazing. I know that I speak for many people out there listening when I say that, you know, sometimes we lose one of our precious babies and we wonder, you know, I lost my little Chihuahua boy, Albie in February And he had become my heart dog. And people had told me, you know, just be open. You'll get a sign that he's okay in the first couple of weeks. And I always looked and listened and I never really felt a sign. And I'm sure there are people out there wondering, is my baby okay? Did they cross over okay? What's going on for them? You know, have they come back? So death and dying is one of the things that you list as a reason for people to want to pursue animal communication. Tell us about that a little bit. Correct. It is a a very challenging and and sticky time. So even as an animal communicator intuitive, especially when it comes to my own animals, it's very challenging to know and to trust the information or the signs or the feelings that we get. And there was a couple times in a communication where there was a cat who told its owner that when I walk into my carrier, you know, it will be time for me to go. And she kind of rolled her eyes and she says, he hates his carrier. He knows that he has to go to the vet every time he goes into the carrier. 
And so she left the cat carrier out. And then one day in the morning, she woke up, I got goosebumps. And he was laying in his cat carrier with the door open and her heart sank. And she was like, wow. So he was very specific in letting her know that it was time. And she took him to the vet and was very peaceful and beautiful send off. See, I'm getting all choked up myself. That's very Mm -hmm. powerful. Very powerful. And the left brain telltale signs of when an animal is ready is they obviously normally stop eating. They stop drinking their life in their eyes. The spark has gone and diminished and they're unable to get a walk around. And there was also a dog who said, don't put a diaper on me. When my bowels go and I can no longer go poop and pee on my own, that is not a life worth living. And that dog was so royal and stoic and regal and just such an old soul. And the mom said, I knew it. I just needed to hear it. So sometimes as the communicator, it's just validating what that human, their their person is needing and and a, a knowing that they had and just getting that confirmation from an outside source. Yes, yes. What about shelter animals? A lot of us and certainly a lot more people these days are adopting. And especially if you adopt a dog or a cat with behavior issues and they've been found as a stray, you just don't know what their backstory is. And you don't know what's, you know, kind of led them to this behavior. And if you did, you might be able to find a way to help them easier or quicker. Do you have experience with helping pet parents who have adopted a shelter animal learn what their history is? I don't know what the extent is of what you of what you're able to do. Well, definitely. That is like 70% of my business is rescues, fosters, animals coming up from down south or natural disasters even being flown in from Puerto Rico. There's a lot of those rescues and and rehoming and even animals that their human had died. And so then now they're in a new home with a relative. I'll also clarify that as humans, we don't always like to talk about our past. And a lot of times the the animals won't always share where they came from. They Mm -hmm. might show they were at three different homes and then this is their fourth person or that this uh, dog had puppies or two or three litters or the horse misses their pasture mate, you know, different things like that, or even Mm -hmm. a human that they were had, they had another lifetime. So sometimes Mm -hmm. they'll share some of that. Sometimes they might share an image of abuse of being hit in the head or something Mm -hmm. like that. But I always like to tell people to let go of the expectation of getting to know that animal in their past, because we obviously don't meet people and say, Oh, I was abused as a kid, or I had alcoholic parents. So there is like a sense of of safety. And sometimes with animal communication, it does offer a safe place for them to let go and to know that it wasn't their fault. And a lot of times it's like they have a a mental checklist of did I do something wrong? Was it my fault? And like, no, the parents just didn't have time for you or um, they had a new baby and they didn't have enough room in the house for you. So they had to get rid of you. But they kept the other dog wide to keep the other dog. So sometimes it's a little bit of that kind of like a talk therapy. Mm-hmm. And with the rescue and shelter animals, the biggest thing that in animal communication that the animal needs to know is they're safe, yeah. that you are their forever home. Anytime that you leave, you're always going to come back. Anytime if you were to move, they would move with. But it's also speaking out loud and the visual pictures in your mind that you're sending out. Those two need to match up. Right. We'll say, don't bark don't bite, don't jump. 
but in our mind, we're showing them barking, biting, and jumping. So we want to speak in the affirmative as well as those visions to match up. No bark, mouth closed. No bite, mouth closed. Uh, no jump, four paws on the floor, but also a calm <sighs> feeling and energy and maybe in a vision of them sitting with their butt on the floor. But you want to speak those pictures. Are you saying that we should demonstrate when we speak as well? Like if you don't want them to jump, should you like get on all fours when you tell them and also envision them doing that? Or are you saying just to envision it in your mind and say it? Yes, you can just envision it in your mind. Sometimes when we say it out loud, it helps us. Some people are, are verbal and it makes them feel better and more empowered. But you mm. don't have to necessarily demonstrate to get on the floor to be on all four paws. But you can, if the dog is chewing, you say, again, no bite, and then go give them something that is appropriate for them to chew on. Yes. Yes. That is definitely a training tool. Well, we are going to take a short break, but don't go away because when we come back, Stacy has incredible stories of clients and work she's done with them and the results, the amazing results that they've yielded and they're moving. So we'll be right back in a moment. Go refresh that beverage. We'll see you soon. Molly, here's your dinner. <coughs> Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your cat tree tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Bark and Swagger on Pet Life Radio. If you've just joined, we're talking to Stacy Krofcheck, an animal communicator, Reiki master healer, and uh, someone whose clients rave about how she's been able to help them understand their pets better. Stacy, you have, I've seen some stories on your site, and we've talked about how there are all these incredible stories of work you've done with clients. I'd love to start with, is there a particular animal client that had a profound impact on you? There are many. There are many stories and I also want to clarify that it, it's all animals. It's not just specifically cats or dogs. It's horses, it's birds, it's guinea pigs, it's chickens, um, babies. Right. And it's the, also the, the soul. And I even had a beta fish who in my mind, you know, I had never communicated with one before. And it was this beautiful blue, like dark stable blue energy or color. And his energy was as big as the room. And I even got teary eyed just feeling his presence through the phone. And he said, it, uh, I'm going to try not to cry. It sounds silly, but he just said, you know, his time is up and he's getting ready to go within a few days. 
and that he wanted to share his gratitude with his humans, but especially the two children in the house. And then he said that he was not only like a, a master healer and teacher for the family, because he brought comfort when they would look at him or, or take time to pause at his tank in the kitchen and talk to him. And they always felt better every time they walked away. And that was a profound realization to the parents, but also to the kids like, wow, I didn't realize that that's what he was doing. And then he said when he left to go ahead and get another fish or another animal to fill the void. And he loved them very much. And, you know, I was choking up as I was sharing that message, but it was also the energy and the feeling and it prepared them for his departure a few days later because he was such a staple in the family, even though they had another dog and a cat, but he literally was the focal point of their life because he was in the kitchen. And so they would walk past him to go to the rooms as well as to eat. And mm. so it was just a very beautiful exchange of energy. Wow. And, you know, whoever thinks to communicate with your fish, I mean, and also it's lovely to hear that this fish had such an important role in his family. That is really different. That's really different. Uh, okay. Tell us another story. Another one of my favorite stories also that was just a, a few weeks ago, one of my clients had just moved across country and we had prepared her dog for the move, packing up all of their stuff in a, in a truck, in a U-Haul, and then driving across country, staying a night in a hotel and another night in a hotel. And then the third night they would be at their friend's house and then how it would look to not see any of their old friends, but they'll, they'll be sharing space with this new people. And then one of the times the dog had a flare up and was in the emergency room and then came home and was on medication and she had stopped eating and she started to lose weight. So when we connected again, she had a, a laundry list of questions about how her life looked, sharing space with humans as well as another animal, and that she just didn't find joy in eating anymore. And also was very worried about her human because the mom had a very hard time with the move and the dog consumed her every moment, especially when she was sick. So we just went through all the things of reassuring her of how the new life looked, you know, and living with their friends for a few months until their house was ready. Mm. And that what her role was in this new house with all these new people. And we said to her and reassured her, you get just to be a dog, you just get to play and have fun and you get to relax and sleep. And it was something that again, was so obvious to us humans, that it just she couldn't put all that together, especially with the move. Mm. And then after we got done talking, uh, we hung up. And then a half hour later, she emailed me and said she finally started eating. And she was oh. just elated with joy. And this dog also was a very, and is a very magical and soulful animal. And it was also this mom's um, heart dog and soulmate. So it was her, her bestie. Yeah. So they were both going through it together. And they just needed to energetically separate, but be very specific and how her life was going to look now in a new house. Yeah, yeah, because how would they how would they know? So that makes total sense. Okay, tell us one more. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to search for some more good ones, but the dog that I had now, um, probably about last week, and she was a new client, and this dog said that it was this dog's fourth home 
And mm. she also had pica, which means, you know, they eat anything and everything and was a, a nervous Nelly and very high anxiety and FOMO, you know, fear of missing out on everything. And there were two other, three other dogs in the house and a cat. And they've had her for uh, maybe a year or two. And as I was talking, and I can feel myself get a little anxious now, one to 10, 10 being the highest, it's like she woke up at a seven every day. And like, the sky is falling. What's that noise? What's going to happen? What's this? And the first question, she says, are you going to keep me? The mom's like, oh my God, I love this dog. She is my girl. And she's also um, my heart. She's just funny. And we're going to keep her forever. <sighs> so then the dog took a breath. And then she asked again. And then she asked a third time, like, are you sure? She's like, oh my goodness. Yes. And then she says, well, what about moving? Are we going to be moving? And she says, no, we, if we do, it's probably going to be about five years from now. So it was more of this um, preparation of, okay, I know I'm safe. You're keeping me, but what about if we up and move again? And she's like, no, no, we're staying put. And then when she would eat and chew, it was a, a way of like self-soothing as well as releasing her energy and anxiety. And I could even feel in my eyes, like I wanted to, to cry and, and just needing to be loved and reassured. So it was 20 minutes of just reassurance, repetition, and you're our forever dog. And to showing, show her what is appropriate to eat and to chew on. And also what was her role when people came over because she got really insecure and nervous. So she just needed to stay in the crate, relax. And when she relaxed, she can come out and say hi. And also know that anybody that was let in the house, it was safe and that she could trust them and as well as trust their humans, that the humans were going to protect her and the dogs too. And you could see her like stretch and calm and, and relax and even yawn. And she was able to fully let go and understand she's in a safe place again. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. That is amazing. Now, in addition to communicating with animals, you also work with humans and you teach several different courses. I know one is in animal healing. Tell us about that one first, but then tell us about the different things that you do with humans. I'd love to. Animal healing just offers different tools and resources to help our animals that are struggling emotionally, physically, and sometimes even mentally. We talk about different uses of essential oils because it's just the, the smell. They don't have to, we don't have to put them on. We don't have to put it in their food or even lick that off or lick it off of us. It's a, a very calming sense as well as a way to support them physically and energetically. We talk about acupuncture for animals. We talk about chiropractic, massage, Reiki, which is just a, a form of healing. And healing, hands-on healing goes back to biblical days when you know Jesus will put a hand on somebody and heal them, the intention, but also Reiki is just specific hand placements and to help support a human or animal on all levels of their being. And again, it's energy work. Energy. Yeah. But all of those are just offering a safe place for an animal to be and even holistic supplements and Western medicines, but really offering them emotional support and everything that we do for ourselves to help heal our body and self-care. Most of them are very safe and appropriate and a complement to Western medicine just to help with their, their healing. And the things that you do with humans, tell us a little bit about that. Yes. So people know what they, you know, they may want to do some work with you for themselves too. I'm an intuitive. I don't like the word psychic, but I'm an intuitive. So I can read people's 
auras and energy and give them some guidance on what's going on in their life. If they have bosses, coworkers, friends, siblings, children, that they need a little outside unbiased opinion on how to best help them, or even just understand the dynamic more. So they're not, sometimes as humans, we take responsibility for anything and everything under the sun. And when we take a step back, we can kind of see the picture ahead. And I like to be able to guide people around that as well as give them different tools. I offer meditation classes. A lot of this obviously right now through COVID is online. Sometimes I do meditations online through Facebook, just people can just join in live, as well as I have two free ones on YouTube. And I'm getting ready to publish two that are already pre-recorded professionally. And I teach Reiki classes. I haven't done that yet since I moved, but also just offering that online. And I'm a medium, which means I can connect to people and animals in the spirit plane and to give people comfort and closure, as well as give them messages that they need to bring a little bit more peace and harmony within themselves and even validation that their humans and animals are with them. And a lot of times when animals have passed, they will validate things that the human and the animal did when they were on the earth or favorite memories or pictures or what they did with their ashes or where they were buried. You know, so it just can bring a sense of understanding and, and connection that they're still with each other. And a lot of times uh, an animal will come back in a different form you know, in reincarnation, whether it's a dog, cat, bird, or horse, male or female, and that's might be another topic. Um, but sometimes people will know in their gut, like, God, this animal feels so familiar, my childhood dog, or this dog that recently passed. So there's that gut instinct, even though it doesn't make sense logically in their in their left brain. Fascinating, fascinating, Stacy. You may be hearing from me, I've got now three dogs, and they all, you know, have quirks, personality quirks. Mm -hmm. And I want to know more. So you may be hearing from me. Where can people find you? Through my website at allspirithealing.com. And they can read more about my services, classes, as well as the testimonials. And then they can contact me through email um, through the website as well. That sounds great. Thank you so much for spending time with us on the show. I'm really excited that we got to learn more about what you do and you, and um, I hope that everybody feels that it's information that could bring value into their lives too. Well, thank you. I'm so honored to be a part of this, Jody. Thank you for reaching out. And it's truly a privilege to be the messenger and the vessel for people and their animals to deepen their bond, but also to help each other understand uh, each other as well as speaking the same language. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. Thanks to our producer, Mark Winter, who makes us sound so good. We love you, Mark. My passion is living stylishly in animal rescue and more. So tune in next time to discover designers, home decor, styles, rescue stories that I love. Don't forget to visit me at barkandswagger.com where you'll find great fashion and shelter stories and more. So until next time, when fierce fashion calls, bark and swagger. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.